I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, where every week I speak with women changemakers who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. Today, my guest is Nanaba Duncan, a Canadian journalist who's just been appointed as Associate Professor and the inaugural Cardi Chair in Journalism, Diversity and Inclusion Studies at Carleton University. You may know her from her gigs as guest host of Q, an arts and culture show on CBC Radio, and as it happens, one of the network's most popular radio titles. She's also been guest hosting CBC Toronto's leading weekday morning radio show, Metro Morning, the city's afternoon radio show Here and Now, and the Canada-wide Saturday radio show Day 6. After winning the International Development and Research Center's Journalism Award, Nanaba headed back to her birthplace of Ghana, where she reported with Ghana Broadcasting Corporation and moved on to produce human rights stories and help establish the radio division of Journalists for Human Rights. In this conversation, I speak to Nanaba about racial and gender representation in media, as well as the improvements that are needed to achieve equity in the industry, a goal she gets to tackle in her new role at Carleton University. Here is our conversation. So, Nanaba Duncan, it's a pleasure welcoming you to The Brand is Female today. I'm so glad you could be joining me. And I'm glad to be here. I want to start the conversation by asking you to go back in time a little bit. And growing up, what did you dream or what did you think you would be doing later in life? And was journalism and writing already something that was uh, kind of a, a dream for you or even a thought at that point? The idea of journalism didn't come until much later when I was um, um, in university or just out of university, actually. I grew up wanting to be a psychologist. I, want, I grew up wanting to talk to people. And there was also um, a moment in my education where I considered being a teacher. And so it's really interesting to me that I've come to this place where I do talk to people and get to know them more. And um, now with this new appointment as Cardi Chair in um, Journalism, Diversity and Inclusion Studies, that I'm also going to be teaching as a professor. And tell me kind of, tell me more about that journey to, you know, realizing what was appealing to you and even maybe connecting with your field of studies. Uh, you've been working in media for a while. Um, was that out of a desire or, or what was the desire behind that career basically? And was it something that chose you or something that, you know, you actively pursued along the way? Well, like a lot of people, my um, my profession really flowed. Um, the where I am right now flowed from all of my experiences. So um, I, I told you I want I started out wanting to be a psychologist. I I had a degree in psychology, but I was always. Um, in performance of some kind, even during high school. So I performed with the jazz choir and some acting. And then during university, I was always uh, acting. Um, I was in dance groups. And so being on stage was something that I really, really liked. So um, being a performer was 
uh, part of my sort of personal uh, interests. And then uh, after I got my psychology degree, um, my father being very typical of West African parents, uh, wanted me to continue, get a master's degree, get a PhD. Um, and I was tired of school. Eva, I was so tired of school, I was done. And so when I found that there was a program, a journalism master's program that was one year, it was the full year, but it was one year, um, I, I went for it. And that's when I really fell in love with radio and um, the power of sound. And um, I think one of the reasons why I got into journalism was because it was a way for me to continue being curious about people and different people and also to perform. So they had mm -hmm. both of those elements and, um, and it just has, that decision has, it's just blessed me over and over. It's just blessed me over and over. So knowing that you were, um, you know, media was very much felt like your calling, but often our, even, even when we know what our intended path is, our resolve is often tested. So I wonder how that manifested for you if there was a moment where um, maybe your path didn't feel so, you know, didn't feel like such a straight line anymore. Mm -hmm. um, in other words, I'm interested in, in challenges that you faced along the way and maybe it wasn't joining the industry or once you were actually working in media. Well, I had a really great experience joining the industry um, in that when I got to CBC, I was welcomed like with open open arms and supported so much. And um, for the most part, I really continued to be um, uh, supported throughout my time at CBC. There was uh, a moment um, when I was getting more opportunities to host. Uh, I was working in the music department at, at CBC Music and I was in the uh, second floor kitchenette and I was just talking with a friend and we were talking about how I was getting more of these opportunities and he turned to me and he said you know you're getting these because you're black and a woman right mm -hmm. and when he said that I just I did not know what to say it just stopped me because here I was continuing going through my life and career, working hard. And um, I'm sure at the time I, I must have felt some, some, uh, some happiness at the success that I was getting. And for someone to turn to you and, and say that you are only where you are because of these, these facts, these outward things about you, um, it, really, it really takes the wind out of your sails. I don't know that that's what he meant to do, and I also am aware that he was not happy in his own life at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and he has since uh, he has since apologized to me because I took the time to tell him the impact of that statement. And um, I'm still not sure about um, his answer at that moment. But I will say that um, what that does, that kind of thinking, um, that kind of comment from someone who has been in the industry for longer than you, it has a real potential to, to sidetrack you and mm -hmm. to get, and to sort of poke at your insecurities. And I'm, 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 um, I was going to say ashamed, but the truth is that it did uh, affect me. That kind of thing did affect me. And, um, it, it tells you immediately that you actually don't belong there. 
and that you have to work hard to belong there and um and so and so that was that tough and i don't know if it was from that moment but um i was i am have always been interested in new um new co-workers of color i have always been interested in their well-being and mm -hmm. so from that from for a long time or i mean i would say for most of my time at cbc I um, would say hi, like if there's another black woman on the floor and I haven't been see seeing black women, I'm like, hi, who are you? What's your name? Like seriously, yeah. and 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 other people and other people of color, I'm just so happy to see them. And it's not because um, that's all I want to see. It's that because I am excited that I'm not I'm no longer the only one. You know what I mean? And I want to make sure that they're okay. I want to make sure that they are getting feel like they're getting paid properly or that they're getting um, that. That they're getting the right opportunities that kind of thing mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. that grew into another role at cbc when it when it started um the employee resource groups um there was one uh that we ended up calling diversify for employees of color and i became uh, a founding co-chair of of that employee resource group and it was because of this concern of mine uh, you know, it just really matters to me that we feel like we belong because mm -hmm. we should. The media should reflect Canada and mm -hmm. I am part of Canada. And so so um, to me, it's very, very sad that um, so many of us have sort of grown up with this idea of who it is that we are um, we are making our media for. Right. We learned about something. We learned about a character at CBC. Her name is Susie, and we called her Susie from Saskatchewan. I don't know that everybody <laughs> learned about her, but Susie from Saskatchewan was never actually uh, physically described, but it was obvious to my mind that Susie from Saskatchewan was likely a white woman. Uh, she was um, middle to upper class. She probably has a high school, um, more than high school, she probably has um, a post-secondary education and is straight, um, maybe has access to or owns a cottage um, and has a good job and has has a partner and and maybe I don't know 2.5 kids and um, that's a whole lot of not me um, in terms of how I, I uh, of how I grew up right and so yeah. I think um, one of the biggest challenges for me ha has has come in the last year and a bit and that was after George Floyd uh, was murdered by police there was a time when I realized that oh my god I have always been thinking about Susie from Saskatchewan. I have never mm -hmm. thought about my mother. Mm -hmm. My mother's a Canadian. Why have I never thought about my mother as a listener? Oh my gosh. So when I had that feeling, I have to tell you, Eva, like I was angry. I remember feeling really angry mm -hmm. that that was my situation. It didn't come down to one person, but it's just the system. Right, right. And uh, there's a lot to unpack in there, and I want to come back to um, you know diversity and representation in media. Um, but first, I want to ask you: Were there, and and you know, you've mentioned your you know wanting to greet any any new black woman on the floor at CBC, or making sure you were uh, you were welcoming and and getting to know and uh, anybody that that joined the team. Um, were there role models um, and maybe women of color um, who inspired you along the way and women who were trailblazers in their own right? Um, was there somebody that you, you looked up to and maybe, you know, kind of helped you imagine what could be possible for someone like you? 
you know, there was never really one person. Um, I did have in my mind Marcy Ian, um, who is, uh, you know, has been a television on television for a long time in in media, and uh, someone who is uh, who started the game before me, Tracy Moore, has also been one. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, and they, these are these are both te- television people in Ontario, Canada, and um, but I would say one of my heroes lately is Marianne Shad. Mm. Do you know who she is? I've, I've heard of her. Yes. So Marianne Shad was um, the first black female newspaper publisher in Canada, and she was uh, the first woman publisher. She was the first black woman publisher in North America and the first woman publisher in Canada. And uh, my my organization, um, Media Girlfriends, is uh, producing a, a black history podcast with Historica Canada. And one of the episodes is on Marianne Shad. And she, when I listen to the story, I just, I see... I, I feel like I see myself to some degree, like not... I, what I feel like I see is just a woman who 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 had a purpose and she just wanted to make changes and she went for it. And uh, she was also a leader and she's kind of who I want to be. I see parts of myself in her and I, 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 want, I think I want to be very Anshad. Yeah, I think we actually profiled her recently for... Uh... Uh, I believe International Women's Day, and she was also—I think she was also the first Black woman to attend law school in the states. Yes, in the states. Yes, yeah. which for, for that time was completely revolutionary. Absolutely amazing. And so, um, to my mind, it would be great if Marianne Shad—I should call her Marianne Shad Carey. She—it um, would be great if we if we could make sure that her name was attached to journalism in this country mm. because she was a first and I didn't know about her until much later on in my life, but right. we should know about her in our journalism schools. Yeah, and that's that's where representation happens mm-hmm. too, right? It's it's those women that have been left out of history books and in journalism and other sectors and uh, we we need to know about them. You're absolutely right. Um, so kind of, kind of fast forward. So knowing now, and uh, because you have been working in media for a few years, have you seen an improvement? And I'll also ask the question, uh, you know, since we're now emerging of a, uh, I think it's been over 18 months at this point of the COVID pandemic, which also in that period, uh, had us experience a racial reckoning. You've mentioned the death of George Floyd and, and you know, the, the, the BLM movement um, uh, the, the, that followed. And in Canada, we've also had our own reckoning around Indigenous communities more recently. Um, are we moving in the right direction? Are you seeing that the needle is moving when it comes to greater representation in media, you know, for BIPOC uh, people in general. And have you seen the progress o- over the past few years? Mm. And in light of COVID, in light of the pandemic, are we still making progress or have we fallen b- backwards? So sorry, there's like two questions in there. <laughs> no, no, I, I, you know what? I love these kinds of questions because um, as a journalist, I recognize that it's the hope question. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's the question where it's like, we know it's really bad, um, please. Please, please yeah. let us know that it's not going to stay bad. Um, 
And I don't know that I can offer it. I, I don't know if that I can offer that reassurance. I will say that for sure in my experience, things have moved along. I know for sure at CBC, there are um, pockets and individuals who are very strongly making change, trying to make change. Mm -hmm. And there are people who have gone to the extent of um, even um, letting certain people go um, if if they don't really if they if they're not with the program and showing that they won't be with the program. Right. And to me, that is movement. That's real movement. Mm -hmm. um, what really needs to change is something that I've been learning about recently, and it is our uh, our relationship with the fear that comes along with conversations around racism. Um, so, and I'll give you. And I'll start with the idea in with fear in journalism. Right when you're beginning, you have to pick up the phone and call somebody that you have never spoken to before. And that's actually really scary. Mm -hmm. Unless you've been in sales your whole life, it's not something that we right. always do, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. that that is a fear, and that is something that I think we should be we should be open about in journalism. It, it has has in journalism education and in um, in newsrooms there has often been this sort of hard idea that you know you gotta you gotta you know uh, be strong and and you know uh, sort of get with it that kind of thing. And if you if you can't get with it, then you then you you can't make it in this industry that kind of a thing. But I think that there is room for us to to talk about how scary it can be um, to pick up the phone and call someone that you don't know. And then we have to think about picking up the phone and calling someone you don't know who represents or is part of a group that you've never been in contact with. So you have to, as a journalist, as journalists, I think we have to recognize that there is fear. I have fear talking to a group that I have not typically spoken to before. So I'm a person who grew up with right. not very many people who are disabled in my life. So what that means is that mm -hmm. if I'm picking up the phone to talk to someone who's a, who is disabled, that um, that there might be things that come up in me. Like, I don't know how to say these words. Like, what words do I yeah. use when I'm talking about this group? And then also, am I going to offend you? I don't want to offend you, but I need to know this information because I'm going to be putting this information online or in the, uh, or on the air. And so I think that there's a lot of space for us to talk about what happens in those moments and how we can change our minds and actually actively start to think about how we can ask these questions in a way mm -hmm. that honors the person who's giving us their story and honors ourselves and recognizes within us that I'm scared right now, you know, yeah. I'm scared, but yeah. it, it is, it, it, I think that it, it is time for us to, I'm, I, in a way, I think that we're called upon at this moment to acknowledge these fears and then have the courage to find out what I need to do to get over those fears in order to tell this story in um, the most respectful way that I can, so that I can reflect the Canada that is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if we go back to kind of the reality pre and post pandemic, um, you know, there's been, I'd like to say there's been kind of a, a, a global awakening, right? And we've had conversations. Um, and I think because the pandemic helped shine a light on the inequities in our system and showed us how broken our system is at, at many different levels. 
Um, so at least we're having conversations about what needs to be fixed and what needs to change. Yes, I didn't quite answer your hope question, did I? <laughs> right. I think the... And I'm coming back for it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the answer is yes, there is hope. I feel that there is hope. And one of the reasons is because I'm in a position right now that actually centers the way that I feel, that actually centers um, the importance of caring about diversity and inclusion. And to me that that's a marker. This is a position, the Cardi Chair in Journalism, Diversity and Inclusion Studies is a position that's never existed in Canada before, right. but more should. And so this is a marker to me that the oldest journalism uh, school in Canada is seeing what is happening and is answering the call and saying, yes, we have a problem. Here are the things that we can do. And mm -hmm. we know we have been part of the problem. So I would say that the answer to the question, to the hope question is that yes, there's some hope, but this has happened before. And what happens is we have a, a groundswell of support and then things start to slide back a bit. But what we need is for uh, folks like me, folks like you to keep our foot on the gas so that the, the groundswell sort of stays at the higher level. Yeah, 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 can't, can't give up now. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD's services for women in business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. And let's talk about how, you know, I think that need, because there is what the networks can do, right? There is what we expect media to do. But there is kind of an individual responsibility for, for anybody who is producing content, right? So somebody who's sitting in, in a chair as a journalist, but I think increasingly because so much of the content we consume uh, is done through social media platforms and online platforms. So even brands now have become, uh, you know, producers of, of media content. Um, and how can how can we help enact that change? And and I know part of your mandate, um, you know, as, as the new Cardi chair, um, I, I believe includes this, but generally speaking, how would you like to see individuals take that responsibility and step up? Uh, one of the ways is to be an upstander when a situation happens. So in the meeting, if we're having a meeting, and I'll give an example of something that has happened at um, at CBC and I think it's happened at number of, a number of other places. If we're in a meeting and someone uses the N-word, then another person right away should say that we don't use that word. Right away, someone should say it. There shouldn't be a quiet, ah, uh, nobody saying anything and then that the person if there's a if there's a black person in the room um, goes away wondering what happened that kind of thing no right away we say something mm -hmm. so uh, on the individual level it is up to us to take to to get through the fears and stand up and say something mm -hmm. and if that means practicing if it means following certain twitter 
profiles and and Instagram uh, accounts in order to get that information, then do that. I will give you one book that is really working for me right now. It's called Just Work by Kim Scott. And it says that the title is Just Work, Get Shit Done Fast and Fair. And it talks about bias, discrimination, and stereotypes and harassment in in many different ways. And it gives you clues, not even clues, actual tips on how to be an upstander, how to understand um, how you can think about racism and uh, gender discrimination and uh, gender diversity and many other uh, buckets, I say, I'll, I'll call them bu buckets of, of mm -hmm. equity. Um, and I just find that this book is, is such a great way to get a start into how to do things for yourself, whether you are a leader, whether you're someone at work or whether you're just like a, a coworker or just starting out. Mm. And speaking of, you know, media groups, media networks, media organizations, what, what responsibility do you think they have and should they be held even more accountable for the type of representation, the type of, you know, anti-racist media environment that they offer. And I think, for example, and, and going back to social networks for a second, I know there's a big issue around managing hateful speech online, right? Um, and I found myself reading through the comment section, you know, from, from various media platforms. And unfortunately, um, you know, there's multiple points of views. And, and, you know, that's something that shows up even in the type of commentary that we read uh, or that we see from readers commenting on various issues that have to do with race, that have to do uh, even with women or uh, any other topics. So what kind of accountability would you like to see for the networks and the actual media organizations in that sense? Do you mean when it comes to social media, what is their, what do I think their responsibility is? Or are you asking what their response in general? I'm asking in general, and I use the two examples because there is the reality of social media, but this is something, for example, I'll use a name if we use, you know, the Globe and Mail publishes a story um, comment section on their own website, you know, includes many people who have a racist stance on things. And then same thing can happen on their Instagram account when, you know, we see a flood of comments uh, that are racist and that are, you know, hateful. How how do organizations, media organizations specifically, how how would you like to see them accountable for that kind of stuff? This is a really tough question, and I think that there are some organ some organizations that are are trying different ways to address uh, harassment online. I know that, um, and I, I will always use the CBC examples because that's what I know right now, or that's what I'm most familiar with, is that they have um, closed the comments in some areas on Facebook. They have closed the comments for certain groups. Uh, I know that they did it with um, CBC Indigenous, and that was because there was just so much hate. Um, um, that was being spilled on there. And ultimately the comment section is for dialogue and um, good dialogue, you can't get good dialogue if if it's just hate that's coming through, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's one way, which is just closing it down yeah. altogether right. um, or closing it down in certain platforms, on certain platforms uh, versus others. But on the general question of um, what is the accountability for um, media organizations, um, 
my viewpoint is that if you if you don't take anti-racism seriously, then you are not taking your position as a media company in Canada seriously, mm-hmm. right? Because um, your the country and your company is made up of many different races and ethnicities. And I think that a number of media companies in Canada do take their role seriously. Um, The issue comes when not everyone is on the same page for how the changes should be done. And um, it can be very difficult. The question of anti-racism from a leadership point of view is really a matter of big change and big change in any way um, can be really hard to begin. But one thing I will say is that at the leadership level, if you think you need to make uh, a change about how things are done and you have the power to do it, then you should just do it. If someone is suggesting that X should change to Y and the leader says, but X is how we've always done it. Yeah. Then that is where I think a leader has a real opportunity to consider why X has been done in that way. And also that if you are a leader and you have the power to change X from, from X to Y, and Y will actually better serve your employees, your audience, everyone, then then do it yeah and and know that you will actually be in the lead for doing it because not everyone is brave enough to make those choices absolutely and i'll say this i'll I'll say this saying that i have never been at the very top of a company right (laughs) so it's really easy it's really easy for me to go well just change it but sometimes i have actually seen it i have seen it done where someone with a lot of power just change it they just changed it yeah Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's what makes trailblazers and that's what makes change happen at a at society level. Um, we often hear of women in media in general who have been, uh, especially the ones who dare speak up on sensitive issues or the ones who dare speak up for, you know, advocating change. Um I, I, I want to know about your experience and as a, as a black woman in media, specifically in Canada, I ha- have there been any moments where you did feel that, you know, there was hate directed towards you or any type of oh, yeah. bullying behavior? Oh, yeah. And, and how do you how do you deal with that? Well, um, I would say that it really first started when I was um, when I started my job as the host of Fresh Air. So Fresh Air is a, a, a weekend morning show on CBC Radio 1, and it airs to the entire province of Ontario. And there were comments made about my laugh, and then there were comments made about music choices that were not actually my music choices. <laughs> and then there were comments that were about the content. So... Hmm. If I, if there was, I think there was one day where we had two black guests and I believe someone had emailed saying like, is this the black cue referring to the other art show and it, mm. or the ebony cue as though having two black guests was just too much for this person, right. including a black host. So little comments like that, um, um, some veiled uh, comments about my intelligence. Um, 
thinly veiled. Mm. And then uh, when I spoke out online about some changes that um, that that some black employees were looking for at CBC, um, there was just a, a lot of nasty stuff that was mm -hmm. that was said. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Um, if a person has a problem with me being black, there's really not much I can do about it. <laughs> I've been black my whole life. Yeah. And, and you're not going to change. <laughs> and I'm not yeah. going to change it. <laughs> and so if they have an issue with me, they have an issue with me. If they yeah. have an issue with me being black and successful, also something I can't do about it. About I can't do something. I can't do anything about yeah. that. And and just from, um, did you feel you were supported by the organization you were working for? I think so. For the most part, yes, I do. I think that um, any 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 time I didn't feel support, it was not because a person was deliberately not supporting me. Um, some things have been said to me in absolute ignorance, right? right? Not malicious ignorance, but ignorance. Um, ignorance that nonetheless impacts me. Mm. Right. And so my goal is to change things so that that ignorance doesn't get directed at anybody anymore. Right. You know, even if it's innocent and, and, and non-malicious ignorance, I just don't want anybody to go through it because it has an impact on you. And I, I would hate for someone who's just coming into the industry to go through some of the stuff that I've gone through. Right. Right. What kind of stories would you like to see told, shared more on Canadian media? And obviously looking at representation, diversity, inclusion, are there, are there specific stories that we might be, you know, afraid of telling or that maybe we don't have enough, uh, you know, media creators or journalists with that specific experience to be, uh, to be sharing with the world? But what would you like to see told more? I would like to see journalists being um, encouraged to tell stories from their communities that, that they haven't seen before. I would like it to be just really normal for us to talk about things from the point of view of someone who has a, has, um, has a lower socioeconomic level, for example, or from the point of view of, uh, of a trans person, for example, in a way that's just really normal um, and not um, uh, sort of not sensationalized or, um, or made to sound like this is a, a sort of like a poor me kind of story. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean that I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea of things being presented as though, um, and so like, wow, this person really made it through life. And, you know, look right. at that terrible thing that they had about the, not the that, it, yeah. like more yeah. like, yeah, that kind of trauma stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, nah, we've done that. We can move yeah. on from that. And there are people doing it, Ava. Like there are journalists out there who are creating um, great journalism and they're doing it from their communities. They're doing it for their communities. And I would like to see that work um, no longer be relegated to, you know, ethnic media, for example, or, uh, or niche, you know, I just want it to be out there. Because the truth is that um, if I see a story that is told from the perspective of a Filipino woman, for example, there are things that I will um, relate to. And it might be a surprise to me, but there will be things that I, I will relate to. And yeah. there will be things that I don't relate to that I think I will be better for knowing. Mm, absolutely. Well, hopefully with your role at Carleton, we see more of that, you know, desire for um, 
a, a diversity of stories that truly reflect the, the entire variety of our communities. Um, and I actually want to ask you what is my favorite question to ask guests on the show. And it's, what do you wish women would do less of? But you can also choose to answer that as what should women do more of? I change it to women doing less because it's been brought to my attention quite rightfully so that women already do too much in general. Um, my wish is for women and gender diverse people to know that imposter syndrome is more about the systems around us than us. Mm. Love that answer. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. We're so quick <laughs> to, you know, diagnose ourselves with imposter syndrome, right? It's the it's the catch all now when yeah. often the toxic system is to blame. Yeah. And that's a tough one to remember, boy. I have to tell myself a lot. Yeah. <laughs> how how do you deal with uh, those kinds of feelings if they, um, if they ever after crying? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I have been so lucky and I was really smart to surround myself with very intelligent and confident and open hearted um, women who are really good at reminding me of my own excellence and 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 they are gracious enough to to listen to me when i remind them of their excellence so i would say it's my media girlfriends um mm -hmm. that that they they really 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 help me and then there's my husband he is my number one fan my number one support and sometimes i have actually um, been in a situation and without the tears, I will ask my, I will ask my children, I'll say, you know, I'm feeling nervous about this thing. What should I do? And mm -hmm. I got to tell you, these eight-year-olds and five-year-olds, they have really good <laughs> things to say. Either okay. they are just amazing or I have raised, <laughs> I've been the best parent ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of credit going to you for that one. Uh, but that's great. Well, thank you so much, Nanaba. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. I could continue this chat for a while, but being mindful of time and mm -hmm. wishing you the best in your new role and can't wait to see what our next generation of uh, young journalists is up to. And thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you. I'm leaving you with a smile, Ava. This has been great. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brandy's Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Yeah.